You are listening to episode 230 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we get wet and wild in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Makes it sound like spring break, which I guess technically we're in that time frame, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it is spring break right now, actually. Yeah. I, I love it. It's been yeah. great weather in the valley. It definitely has, dude. Uh, so Ryan is referring to Rain on Your Parade by Unbound Creations. It's a title that uh, Premium Edition Games currently has on their website Thanks, Barry. for purchase. Yep. Thanks to Premium Edition Games team. Um it's pretty cool. We'll go over it here in a little bit uh, towards the end of our segment. But first, you can find us on thegameflators.com, our out-of-date website. You can find us on YouTube also. Uh, just search up The Game Deflators. Facebook and Instagram, at The Game Deflators. And Twitter is at Game Deflators. Uh, you can also like find us. They don't like that. You can also find us on the podcast app you're listening to right now. Leave us a five-star review. And you can find us on other podcast apps, which you should also leave a five-star review. Do it twice. Thank you. All right, let's get started with our recent pickups, as always. For me, Ryan, I got a new router in my house. Do you feel faster? I, I feel much faster, actually. My Wi-Fi speeds went from like 45 down to 100 and something down on my Wi-Fi speeds, which is yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, it's crazy night and day how big a new router can make. Like I was throttled at like 45 and now like my upstairs is like 450 and I'm like, Ooh. so my router, I owned it for about five years, but it had already been on the market for five years. So, you so know, we're talking ancient a tenure. tech at the time. We're talking ancient tech for a router and whatever I got just now had like, I don't know, 4.7 stars on Amazon and was like 130 bucks for a new router. I'm like, that sounds good. That covers 3000 square feet. I think we're solid in my house and my external area. So move forward with it. And uh, yeah, I'm happy with the speeds. Very nice. So it's a new Asus router. And then uh, I just put on a new pickup here, Rain on Your Parade. Um, we obviously got that technically in the mail last week, um, but we just opened it now. So it's new to us. And as far as currently playing is concerned for me, I finally dug back into Cardia, uh, World of Fate. And I ended up finishing the first half of the game. So I beat Lacrimus chapter. So to kind of go back into how this game is formatted for people, if you're new to the podcast and you're, you're just now kind of catching up, I don't know when I started talking about Cardia, it'd probably be early January, mid February when I started talking about it, but the game is split up into essentially two chapters, kind of like a storybook. So you have Toxa who is like this knight, and then you have Lacrima who is technically, um, I don't want to say she's a shrine maiden, basically or shrine warrior. And you pick one of their two chapters to kind of go into. And depending on which one you go into tells a different story, right? But at the end, those stories intertwine. So no matter what you do, you're always going to get like kind of the same ending, a little different. Um, so first one I played was Lacrimus chapter, went through the entire thing, uh, definitely enjoyed it. I think the story itself, I've mentioned a few times now, the story is actually very good on this game, like probably around a nine, I would think in terms of overall story, but the gameplay, like the tactical aspects of this RPG, 
Um, you know, the, the level up factor doesn't seem to really do much of anything. I mean, it does, but not so much. The way you handle magic is pretty cool. The items and how you kind of pick those up throughout the map are pretty cool too. But there's things missing. Like there's no towns, obviously it's just straight story, battle, story, battle, story, battle. So it's kind of lacking in a few different areas. Uh, but overall, I mean, in what I've played so far, I would say it's around seven, you know, roughly. Um, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Uh, seven and a half, somewhere around there, which is pretty decent. I think that's about what most reviewers put this game at, actually. Um, so my feelings are, are pretty similar to that. Uh, but dude, I, I enjoyed the story a lot. I mean, I, I finished, obviously, the first half of the game, and it really kind of takes its twists and turns throughout, and there's a lot of missing pieces. And now that I'm playing the other side story, I started it yesterday as well and got through the first chapter out of 18 it's really starting to open up like, oh crap. So that was happening on the back end while I was doing all of this other stuff in the game. I kind of wish though that they wouldn't have done that. Like it just would have made more sense. And so splitting the game into two chapters with, with a total of 34 hours of gameplay, why not just merge the two and have you kind of bounce back between stories during that time frame? So like you finish chapter one, you go through this other thing and then, oh, by the way, we're going to jump over to Toxa and go over Toxa's story and what's happening here. And just over time, those elements just kind of intertwine as you play. I don't know why they, they split it up in such a way. And then as you're playing the game too, like on Lacrimas, you're playing as, you know, obviously every like multiple characters, but Lacrima, while she's the main like part of a story, the story focuses on uh, Kuhn. It's K-U-N is how they spell his name. And you kind of like you get this vibe of like you're playing Kuhn's story and not Lacrima's story throughout. Like he seems to be more of the protagonist than she does at times. And so that was kind of odd to me, uh, but it was still good, still enjoyable. So I'll report back uh, when I continue playing uh, this new story, which is starting me from scratch, obviously. So all the introductory stuff like, oh, this type of element is better against this one and and so on. But um, so far, so good. I, I think I'll get through it a lot faster now, mm -hmm. just given that I understand the game mechanics a little bit better uh, than I did at first. And we'll go from there. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely enjoying that. And then uh, I think I will probably bounce between this and Rain on Your Parade, actually, because we played, I don't know, like six or seven levels yesterday. Yeah, we played a, a handful of levels, but like, man, that overworld on there was huge. Oh, yeah, dude, there's like so many levels to play. So I think I'm going to bounce into that uh, here as well and, uh, and enjoy that. Let's see how that goes. All right. How about yourself? So I picked up Dredge, which just came out. It is a fishing slash spooky kind of mystery adventure kind of game. Uh, you play as a fisherman new to a set of islands uh there are some strange things going on a fog rolls in at night and hides all kinds of creepy and dangerous things uh you spend your time catching fish and bringing them back to the town and selling them uh dredging up old materials to upgrade your boat uh doing research to discover new um types of rods or fishing nets or crab pots technologies that you can upgrade at the shipwright uh, to enhance your ability to go out and catch different kinds of fish. 
Uh, it's got its own unique little mini games for a lot of the different fish. Mostly it's a circle that's going around with like a dial and it's got like different blocks where there are green windows and you want to hit it in those green windows to, you know, reel in the fish quicker because you're kind of just slowly reeling them in over time. But whenever you're fishing, time passes. You don't want to be caught on the open water at night. You yeah. Stay close to the shore. And there's a madness effect that goes on when you see strange things and it makes things more dangerous uh very engaging very fun uh i really did enjoy the tight loop of the time of the day and you know going out doing my best to catch everything and and being afraid at night hugging the shores and doing my best to slowly poke out over time as i got braver um i haven't quite finished the game i got up to the point where it's like hey is there anything else you really want to do or do you want to do this thing? And I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'll take a couple days to think about that. And I haven't gotten back to it yet. But uh, it's getting a lot of big fanfare. A lot of people are saying that it sounds like, you know, it could be on some top lists for the year for some people. Uh, I definitely was really excited as soon as I saw it. Uh, I convinced my friend to buy it <laughs> because he buys like everything on Steam. And then uh, as soon as he played like 10 minutes of it, I was like, um. I've got to go home and, and do this myself instead. <laughs> nice. How much is it on Steam? Uh, I think it's like 25 bucks or something new. All right. So I'll wait for a Steam sale, but it sounds interesting. It sounds like something I do want to play. Um, by the way, pickup wise, I forgot to mention something. I am having my call or not call. Sorry. My Cthulhu Age of Madness from Strange Aeon Games is actually shipping uh, very soon. So we will have that to play in person. Yeah, so. there's a physical edition of Dredge coming out, yeah. too. I sent you a link for the other day. Yeah, but I think I'm going to get it on Steam. Mm. I need more for my PC. I need to enjoy my PC more. And honestly, like if I if I want to beat a game, it seems like sitting on the couch nowadays equates to me falling asleep in an hour, if not less. But on my computer, I will stay up, you know. So I think uh, I think that's the way to go right now is gaming on PC until my son grows up a little more. Yeah, this was one of those games where it's like a lot of the times, like I don't even think about buying physical games a lot of the time anymore. I mean, we talk about it like there's certain games that I do want to bar buy. Like I've been borrowing my friend's switch because he digitally bought uh, Metroid remake, prime remake. Yeah. And uh, he's mm -hmm. not playing it because he already finished it and he's out of town. So I've been borrowing that for a while and I just decided I'm going to give it back to him because I'm probably just not in the mood to finish it. It's been a couple of weeks since I played and I just don't want to go back into the mazes of that game right now. But I would yeah. eventually really like to have a physical copy of that for Switch. And speaking, I don't anticipate it being hard to get eventually. Speaking of GameCube games, how is Pikmin going? Uh, Pikmin is not going. I've not played Pikmin in some time either. I played like one session and got further than I was. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the game's only eight hours long. So I've only got like probably like five or six more hours with it at best. So I mean the next time I sit down could be the last. This is a uh, shades of zone of the enders. There's a, yeah. You remember when uh, you were like, yeah, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then we squeaked it out right at the end. Right yeah, the it end got done is what you're oh. telling the people. You're telling everybody yeah. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. And there were no problems. Or will it be like <laughs> persona? It could be like persona. We'll see. I'm already halfway done. Almost. All right. All right. I got 12 right. hours into Persona and that was not even like scratching the surface. Uh, I'm just going to say I'm halfway done with my game and it's 
the first half was 17 hours. Yeah. Um, so. Let's see. I did boot up Breath of the Wild like a week ago after the Tears of the Kingdom thing happened. I got like really jazzed and I was like, oh, man, I should like spend an afternoon just like running around in Breath of the Wild. And I did like most of the plateau area again. And man, is it still like fun and has me really excited? I mean, we're like a month away now on that. And I was thinking about it like I definitely thinking that's going to be like a day one pickup for me. Like I'm not even despite wearing a Zelda shirt right now, <laughs> I'm not a giant Zelda fan by any stretch. Uh, I'm just really jazzed for this game in particular. And really with Nintendo, like you might as well buy a day one. Like it's never going to go down in price. <laughs> so um I'm getting pumped for that. And then I did have a really interesting report. So uh, Brave Fencer Musashi. I've been playing that a couple weeks ago. I was sitting at home and I was like, maybe I'll finish this tonight. And I got <laughs> really far. Like I'm at like, I beat what I thought was like the final boss. But now I think I have to fight like the final, final boss. And so I've been using the retro arc on the ps1 classic and there's kind of a couple layers to the saving system in there you can save in the game mm -hmm. and you have a digital memory card that you use for keeping those save files if you're in the game and you hit the reset button on the console it'll pull back to the like emulator menu and it has four different save slots there for like resuming files at a certain point yeah. And then when you're playing the game, there's a single use save slot that you can just save and load. So there's like a few different layers here. And I was like going through it in the game. There's a few scenes where there's like chase scenes where you've got to like run and platform. Like the platforming in this game is so brutal and hard. I, that's why I don't understand how anybody could play this normally because it would just be so frustrating and difficult and take forever i would imagine so i was using like okay i'll use one of those four bigger save slots as like my main thing for trying to keep my progress throughout the file and then i'll just use the quick save one so that i can just kind of incrementally move up until i feel comfortable making a new save because like once you're playing with emulation and doing save states and stuff and it gets complicated like the worst thing you can do is accidentally save yourself into a corner and then you're just screwed and you've got like no recourse unless you have like some old backup or something. Yeah. So trying to avoid that, I think the system was just chugging along and it was this really frustrating part. And I don't know what happened, but like it, it stopped working. Like the one of four slots that I was using became grayed out oh. when I would try to access any of the other three slots. It would just boot up like the PlayStation boot logo. Like it was starting the game fresh from the very beginning. But once in there, I could load exactly where I was with the individual save slot, but I could not update that and mm. I could not resave anything on another file. And I've been scared to go back ever since from what I've been told and read, unplugging the console and letting it just kind of chill should, you know, hopefully make it so that it works like it may have just gotten a little like shorted or hotter. I, I don't know. Technology. But man, it was like, no, I'm like right here at the end. And there's this impossible screen, like the next screen. I must have tried like 40 times. It's literally I'm on like um, like a big 
bridge with like a kind of tower thing at the end, like coming off of a castle. So I'm running across the stone bridge and I'm on a platform and there's a little cutscene. And then the next screen, go mm-hmm. ahead. I see you. Oh, no, go on, go on, oh. go on, go on. Yeah. The next screen, you like run off the screen onto a little just corner path with a single jump. And for the life of me, I cannot run 10 meters forward, make a right hand turn and make this jump onto the next platform. I tried for like 20 minutes and just gave up because I was like, I can't update the save state and I can't make this jump. And that was like a week and a half ago. And I just walked away and I I haven't even tried it again since. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play Brave Fencer Musashi and get to that point. And then I'm going to be like, Ryan, come over so we can beat this together. Dude, if you can get to that point on like the actual PlayStation without using save states and stuff, you will be a a way, way better gamer than I am. And I think you already are. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a game I've always wanted to play. And I just looked it up. It's about 15, 16 hours. Yeah, it's only like 16 hours long. So it might be worth me booting up at some point here. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, it's only 16 hours long if you do everything right and don't have to spend forever figuring stuff out like trust me dude you are going to want to use the guidebook for this one because there is so much just like oh here's like a whole set of maze hallways that if you go through the wrong door you're gonna start over so i actually have the strategy guide the the physical version oh perfect yeah 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 so we're good we were prepped for this years ago ryan i think i bought it for a dollar yeah i've actually been been using that on like somebody has it scanned online yeah, like the Brady Games one or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah, I've got a copy. Sweet. Well, so yeah, uh, that's my gaming this week. Recommend Dredge. Don't recommend Brave Fencer. Well, do I recommend Brave Fencer Masashi anyways? But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, discussion topic. Did you have one this week? Oh gosh, that's always the question, isn't it? Um, well, we don't have an article. I mean, we got D and D. I don't know if we talked about the last session of what you guys did. The, we can uh, talk about the Mario movie. Neither of us have seen it yet, but we could kind of talk about like our anticipations of it. Well, we're kind of going to be talking about that a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, that'll be a better topic once we know about it. Yeah, God, we should really figure this out ahead of time. We probably should, but I think with it's the D and D thing, it's the question of the week all over again. <laughs> yeah, question of the week all over. Yeah, I mean, so we can just really quick. I mean, the D and D session you guys did last time. Uh, you went to the Underdark as part of a field trip. And uh, for me, that was a bit of a toss in because I was like, I got to get something for you guys that's a little more substantial than you guys go to the bar. And then after the bar, several weeks pass and you take a test. And then once the test is concluded, you level up like that's literally how it's written in a book. You go to the bar, you go do this test. Players are level two. I'm like, that makes no sense whatsoever. I would need to get them on some sort of mini quest. And so I tied in, of course, the Underdark. And dude, you guys were so hesitant on killing little mushrooms. It was the greatest thing ever. As well, I, was I mean, what did you want from us? Like we're students. Oh, I know. I know. I was waiting to see if you guys would be ruthless or what would happen. I had two scenarios plotted out. One was, and it's literally written down. They will probably not kill the little Mykonans. So you need to bring Sturges in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's literally what's written down. And then everything else is off the top of my head as you guys were kind of going through and interacting and the traps. It was good. I I like how you guys have like organically, you know, just kind of created contents on the fly. Like, Oh, well I want to do this. Okay, cool. You go through and you do this whole process and this happens. 
And it's been very nice to have a group that's, you know, kind of really wanting to engage in the content versus a group that's like hesitant to really do anything. Like you guys are being super creative with what you do. Mm -hmm. And so that's been pretty fun. Um, (laughs) I just like that you guys traded for their dead. Yeah, that was bizarre. Like, yeah, it was super bizarre. Like, I don't think that's technically something that would ever happen, but I'm like, I think I can build it in yeah, and kind of go from there. But, um, I do think it was pretty funny adding the Snurf Neblins and then having yeah. to be like, uh, they're like, just, and just all Jersey. They're just all from Jersey. Yeah. Sorry, Barry. Um, they're all from Jersey and more, not really like they're more like Jersey shore, not necessarily yeah. Jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Jersey shore. And the whole thing, I'm like, Oh yeah, you got to get the little ones. They're the sweetest for like eating. And you guys are like, what the fuck? <laughs> It was so good. It's shaping up really good. I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, and you guys are level two now, so um, that'll be fun. Kind of get you guys some more spells. And I need to do um, that. Yeah, I need to prep for the next session. <laughs> so luckily, the book is spelled out as to like what happens next session. Um, but I, I got to see what I want to do. Like, I'm probably going to have more class time with you guys, and then see what you all can develop organically for like, you know, story type stuff as we're playing. Uh, cause that seems to be the trend, you know, I, I kind of throw a couple things your way and then you guys just kind of blow it up into what it is and we go from there and you guys interact with one another. So I'm pretty happy with how it's all flowing as well. So good. Okay. That was a short discussion topic. Um, unless you had anything else, did you see a D and D movie yet or no? No, not yet. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Mario movie. I want to see these movies, but I have not better excuses. Time. I have a better excuse than you do though. You should go. Oh see yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. I should totally go see them, but I I just haven't. And you're yawning in spite of the fact that I'm on like three hours of sleep right now. Oh, yeah. I'm just rubbing it in, man. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, dude, that sucked. My kid waking up at like 1230 in the morning and then I like kind of fell back asleep. And then my wife gets me like an hour and a half later. She's like, he's been up for an hour and a half. He won't stop crying. And he just literally would not stop crying. Like it was the weirdest thing. So we gave him a bath and everything. And next thing you know, it's like four 30 in the morning and I'm trying to get him to go to sleep on my shoulder and it finally happened. And then I slept till seven. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was not fun. That sucked. All right. Uh, articles this week, we're going to talk about uh, Sony citing that Redfall interview with Harvey Smith uh, for the, um, in response to CMA. And then uh, we're going to talk about Nintendo and a cinematic universe and Microsoft escalating its war against PlayStation Nintendo or against PlayStation Nintendo emulation. So the first one here is Sony cites Redfall's Harvey Smith after cancellation of PS5 version and its response to CMA. This is WCCF Tech, and this is Ernaut Van de Velde. Um, I am guessing that this is a French publication. And basically, uh, we went over the fact that the UK regulators have said, yep, it's all good. It's all fine for Microsoft to move forward with the acquisition. And what they've gone ahead and done is sent out for responses to Sony and Microsoft. Microsoft, of course, saying, oh, thanks. It's the greatest thing ever. We're so appreciative of the CMA and its decision, blah, 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 blah. Sony's like, screw you guys. Here's an interview that just happened a little bit ago, but clearly shows that Microsoft is willing to take games off of a PlayStation 5. And this has been our concern this entire time. I don't know why this wasn't brought up prior. Um, You know, it it just makes no sense that they're just now kind of throwing things like this into play. Um, Because you would think that 
Redfall would have been discussed with Sony prior to its development starting with Bethesda, right? And so at that point, you would think Sony should know well in advance when they see it's an Xbox exclusive, ding, 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 something's happened. We're not getting this game when it was already agreed upon. Why was that not brought up before all of this? That makes no sense to me. And I'm sure there's other instances. Obviously, Starfield is probably one of those as well, where they could cite, hey, this was likely going to be on our console. It's not Elder Scrolls 6, another one that would be on our console. And it's not. Why are why are these things coming up now? This should have been brought up in the argument a long time ago. And the whole thing was focused on Call of Duty when realistically it should have been focused on the fact that they have all of these new IPs, the likes of which probably 90% of them are not going to be on a Sony console due to the fact that they're not, as we've mentioned before, as profitable as something like Call of Duty. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely been... Microsoft has probably been playing a good game here by trying to keep the entire content focused mostly on just Call of Duty because of all the other IP that they're going to be picking up. Like that's going to be a huge win all on its own, getting like all the Blizzard stuff and the King stuff in. And nobody really is even raising an eyebrow about that for the most part. But like the thing that I don't get with this, so was working on a PlayStation 5 version of the game. Like what does that even mean? Like, does that mean that five years ago when they were developing the game and doing, you know, all the beginning stuff or however far the end they were like, I imagine in my mind and I'm not a game developer. Tell me if I'm wrong. You start building the game and at some point you have to start like getting it to work for like the consoles, right? Or do you start with like each console from the beginning and just develop them all at the same time like i kind of imagine everything starts on the computer and then it's like okay we got it like working now we can kind of like move it over to an xbox and xboxify it move it over to a playstation and playstationify it so that it works properly on those systems because they're not just a computer like we built it on that's how i imagine so it's like there was never like any public showing of like here's redfall with a sony logo associated to it that never happened so, well, like, I imagine that whenever you're building a game, you're like, well, you know what? We've released, like, all our games on all different consoles. So let's just imagine doing that again. Like, just imagining that you're going to put something on a console isn't really the same as developing it for that console and then having that development canned and shuttered. Like, I mean, if they had put, like, millions of dollars specifically into developing aspects of just the sony version of this game and threw that away that would be a lot more than i don't know we just imagined it would be multi-platform and then we got bought out and they said it wasn't well i think part of us to look at too and, and as far as i know it was in process being developed for ps5 and that was scrapped so i think it i mean was we only have that process. one line yeah it doesn't exactly. really go in depth no, it doesn't. But here's the thing to kind of consider, right? The Elder Scrolls games outside of, you know, we'll say three and below or before that, you know, you had Skyrim and you had um, Oblivion were both on PlayStation consoles. One would think in terms of profitability that you would put the next Elder Scrolls also on PlayStation. The same could be said for Fallout. Is Fallout ever going to come back to PlayStation? Doubtful. Um, I mean, Redfall it isn't is another instance redfall is another instance where a game was likely going to go multi-platform they've stated it would be multi-platform so when you look at bethesda's history and the games being released multi-platform 
for a number of years. And now all of a sudden, a number of Bethesda games are not multi-platform. One could conclude that the same will happen for Activision. And also, as far as, you know, it's concerned of Call of Duty, they're making these 10-year deals, right? Why would you, if, if you are not going to be profitable or it's not going to be worthwhile to make this acquisition, then why would you say it's a 10-year deal? The likelihood is we think we'll get all of our money back within 10 years of releasing various Call of Duty games on these consoles. And after that period of time, we no longer need to because the deal has already been made and it's worth the purchase at that point and then it can become exclusive. So, you know, this is a long-term... I don't see them re-upping necessarily onto those other consoles um, once they've made their money from that. Like, there's no there's no point. Make it exclusive and then start getting more people over to your I console mean, at that point. I think it depends. So, like, I mean... If, if like the way timeline plays out and how many units are actually out there, like there may be a point where it makes sense one way or the other. And I mean, I don't even know where to begin to calculate the math for that. But like, it just seems in my mind that like Skyrim was so huge everywhere and, and everybody still buys it and plays it. So like people are going to be dying for the next one. Like if that is going to come out, let's say like five years from now, is the PlayStation 5 going to be like so dominant that there's like, all right, it's there, you know, it's the second coming of the PS4. Like there's just so many more of them out there than Xbox is. And Xbox, like despite its best effort, has not been able to compete in just sheer volume units purchased on a global basis. Like at that point is releasing one more big game exclusively going to be enough to get all those people to say, okay, it's been eight years. I'm going to buy an Xbox now just for the new elder scrolls game. Or is it more likely to be like, okay, well everybody would buy this and there's like 10 million more PS fives out there than Xboxes, And we really only think that like, you know, a few hundred thousand people would really make the conversion and actually commit to buying an Xbox for this game because it hasn't worked for anything else. Like nobody came over when we released Starfield and we released that on Game Pass. So we didn't really make like a lot of unit sales off of that anyways. Like if this gambit doesn't pay off and there is a big enough difference, like it might still make sense at some point to like do the multi-platform and bring it back for those really big titles because like, Redfall was never going to make people buy an Xbox, but it probably wasn't going to make a big enough splash that they felt they needed to put it out there to get the money from the PlayStation users. Cause like arcane is making a big change here. Like this is not like their usual style game and they haven't had like stellar sales on any of their usual style games. So like, I just think depending on the size and the risk of where things are like also like what if there's not going to be a next xbox but there's going to be a next playstation like you know they would definitely put it on like a console because they're still going to make the money from selling the games because they own the ip and the company like yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be about consoles at that point yeah that's so, true. a and lot of things in the future yeah i mean i do wonder if there's opportunity for microsoft to charge sony more per unit sold you know like <laughs> listen sony baby we're going to charge you about $65 a game. You can make the $5 difference. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like if 
if they go up to Sony and say, hey, you want this game? Okay, yeah. Instead of the, we'll just say, you know, $30, right, per per unit that we would normally take, we're going to take $40 per, yeah. per unit sold. So, I mean, is there a possibility, possibility that they do something like that? Who knows? Uh, but it is interesting. Um, you know, some people are saying, well, is the CMA going to have a change of heart after this and seeing this new information kind of come into play? I just think Sony's not throwing enough of the book at them to say, here's every single instance of like what could happen, what has already happened. Like you're citing Call of Duty and you're citing Redfall. Clearly, you're not fighting enough to keep this deal from happening. Well, and like I had heard somebody made a point about it this week because Jim Ryan also came out and said some like, I mean, you know, they're being very dramatic about this. And he said, you know, our sales would never recover and it would destroy our ability to compete. And it's like, well, you know, it's not their job to make sure that you're effectively running your company. Like if if losing a third party, despite how well received all of your first party content is and how it's like industry leading and standard, like if you have that and you can't keep your own house together, like that's not anybody else's job, but yours. You know, and I, I have to question Sony on this, too, like you have these fantastic first party titles. How difficult is it to make a call of duty clone and make it or first party? something different? Like look at apex, like apex is like huge. Yeah. I mean, it may not be the same size or exact thing as call of duty, but like there's still much more room to innovate and make new next games. Like that's what you, you are there for is to make new games, not necessarily to rely on a third party studio to keep feeding you bread and butter microtransactions. Well, and if you had like, say they release Medal of Honor and they literally copy and pasted everything in terms of mechanics for call, like literally everything copy pasted other than maybe like the skins on characters, right? And you threw a Medal of Honor tag on there. Gamers would still enjoy that just as much as long as the gameplay is there and the content is good they're going to move forward with playing that game. And we've seen it time and time again with, you know, first person shooters that have come out over the years. Like there's always some sort of following. Now, granted, Call of Duty does have that massive following. But people are also sick of the fact that they release a new damn Call of Duty every single year. So if you get, say you re-release Resistance and you put a new spin on it and you make it feel and play like a Call of Duty, you're likely going to get more people. I remember when Resistance first came out, the lobbies were insane when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Like I used to play it online all the time and it was a blast. So I, I don't like if resistance came out now, I would probably play some resistance online mm-hmm. if a new resistance came out or if a new kill zone came out and it wasn't as like, you know, kind of sluggish with the character movement. It's probably something I would play in multiplayer as well. I think it would be a lot different too if Halo was doing well. Like the fact that Halo Infinite is just such a know nothing these days, like and, you know, it, it would be one thing if it was like, OK, now they're going to have the two biggest shooters in the market. But yeah. they really like it almost seems like Xbox is like really dying to get their hands on Call of Duty to shore up their shooter side because Halo's been so disappointing. Yeah, yeah it's possible. All right, let's uh, dive into our next thing here, which is, does Nintendo need a cinematic universe? And this is Ben Lindbergh at The Ringer. And I will tell you, this article was a ringer. It was long. Yeah, but it was actually, it was worth <laughs> There's a the lot read. in there. 
there's a lot, but it was worth to read. I mean, we died. Uh, he dives into like, you know, the history of Nintendo and Sony discussing, um, you know, having a movie uh, developed by Sony, not Illumination Studios. Um, he goes into really just everything you can think of that would go on the back end of the cinematic aspects of, you know, well, cinema and getting this movie and how Nintendo was super hesitant to move forward for decades with a new movie after what happened with, you know, the original Mario movie in, I think it's 93 is when that game was released. So, um, really just dives into every little nitty gritty detail. But the key thing that comes from this is a cinematic universe and that, and, and we likely will have that now just based on the pure success that this movie has had on a global basis. I read, I think it was this morning that it's hit 350 million worldwide. Um, you know, in, in terms of revenue generated for this movie, they're not even a weekend mm-hmm. and it's generated 350 million. Like it's easily going to be a billion dollar film. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, we'll likely see spinoffs of other movies. We'll likely see a, a sequel to this movie as well. Apparently it's been left open for a sequel. I bet and this it, is going to be the first DVD Blu-ray. A lot of people buy in a long time. Honestly. Yeah. David Best Buy, I think has a steel book edition of this for pre-order so yeah they're gonna sell a crap ton of and it's honestly think of all the new merch like mario merch is already pretty abundant just like retro mario merch but like i can only imagine that this will ignite like a whole new wave of shirts and backpacks and lunch boxes and all that stuff well nintendo's goal and it's stated in this article still have lunch boxes is that a thing uh if it's nintendo branded and yeah so basically like he goes in this article to say like Nintendo's intention is to make Mario bigger than Mickey mouse, which yeah. honestly very, very possible. I would think, you know, Nintendo probably has a better foothold on a global basis than Mickey mouse in a lot of aspects. Um, so yeah, I mean, the real question is like, you know, do we need a Nintendo cinematic universe? Personally, I don't know. I don't know that I would care for it. I'd probably still watch the movies. Um, but as rabid as Nintendo fans are, and I brought this up a number of times, Nintendo fans are rabid. If you look at critic reviews on this movie, it's like 55%. Like it's listed as rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Viewers have it at 96% with like over 5,000 reviews. I can guarantee you the casual moviegoer is not looking at that film and saying, oh, it's 100%. That is 100% Nintendo fans is what that is. People trying to just amp it up for sales purposes because they have like this thought in the back of their head that Nintendo is going to treat me right. If I give everything a five-star review, if I buy all of their products, like Nintendo knows its fan base, you know, they know they're going to purchase anything. We could have Nintendo condoms out there and people would still buy them. We saw it with cereal boxes too. So, you know, I'm not completely sold on a cinematic universe. Um, I need to see this movie myself uh, to give a full-blown review on like my thoughts on the film. And if I would truly want to see a cinematic universe, but I do listen to critics a lot on films as well. And so generally I agree with critical reviews that are critical reviews. Those being critical role. I generally like a line of like what critics are saying about a film when I go watch one. So I would not be surprised if I go into this movie thinking, eh, it's okay. It's not the best thing ever. It's not as hyped up as it should have been. And that completely sways my opinion to like, please no cinematic universe. I mean, it's just a family popcorn movie from what I've heard. Like, it's about a 130-minute runtime with the credits. 
and uh, it just runs at a breakneck speed. It doesn't really slow down or give you a lot of time to like do a whole lot. So, I mean, in those senses, it probably just doesn't meet a lot of the high marks for like film. But, you know, as just like, a, oh, man, this is the Nintendo thing that you always thought you would see. Like, it's supposed to be pretty good there. But like for NCU here, I don't know, man. Like, I think that the the idea of having other Nintendo properties would be cool. Like from what I've heard, like uh you know there could be like additional stuff like people would want to see like a luigi's mansion with charlie day or they would want to see maybe more of the kongs uh with like seth rogan and then introduce like you know the other kongs and, and make something there i mean i think it would be really cool everybody's always wanted to see like a really dope uh zelda animated fantasy film or uh, I know that there was at one time in works like a Star Fox puppet show, like the old style kind of thing. And, and I think that, it's a claymation on here, uh, like a claymation style. Yeah, but I, I think there had been like a puppet thing in the work at one point, too, with I think it was like Adam Conover or something. I, I may be misremembering that, but like either way, like I would like to see more Nintendo property stuff licensed out and used in fun and interesting ways including like movies and television but i don't think that they all need to be like these all look exactly the same and they all fit perfectly together and they're all lining up to lead somewhere and it's all going to culminate in a smash bros movie like interconnected nintendo cinematic universe i'm not so jazzed about but just more nintendo stuff in different iterations and styles like give me just like a really cool like dark no dialogue you know short film of metroid and make it like kind of scary but like i don't want to see like a whole movie where it's like i'm samus and i'm gonna save the universe you know either yeah and you know it's interesting is like when those critic reviews came out for this movie like in the 50s all the fanboys came out and were like, oh, well, it's a kid's movie. Like, it's supposed to be a kid's movie, blah, blah. And I think I sent you a screenshot of like, it was like, yeah, well, kids' movies actually have good plots sometimes and good store, like good character development. And the critics are saying that it doesn't have that, that it just feels like you're watching a Nintendo game be played out on screen, evidently. So, you know, I, I think the whole like 96%, the hype and everything else is coming from this yeah it's it's a kids movie it's supposed to be a fun movie right for children well i've been hearing that it's a family movie not a kids movie because a kids movie has like fart jokes and they say but and it's just like yeah, things like that it's not that kind of movie yeah you're right it is more of like that kind of dreamworks type of film that you kind of go into and there's going to be some like adult puns that you're going to catch throughout the film i would imagine especially with like the kongs and whatnot mm -hmm. so i don't know uh, i'm going to be seeing it next sunday um so not this sunday but the following and i don't know i'll get my thoughts on it afterwards so we'll see okay uh next thing here is microsoft escalates war against playstation nintendo emulation on the xbox series x and s this is uh ethan gack at kotaku we got to have this guy on at some point like we read all his articles <laughs> um 
This is so, not what I thought I was going to see again. Like when the Xbox series systems were like first launching, like I remember seeing people talking about like how hot and pop in the emulation scene was on there. And I was like, oh, interesting. I wouldn't have, you know, assumed that that was, you know, what people would automatically jump to. But I mean, it makes sense. People always start homebrewing things like basically right away. But with the you know, modern era and having like marketplaces and apps to download and stuff like obviously Microsoft has to protect itself and kind of limit its exposure to other companies and their ability to, you know, call them out and raise a stink and and try to be like, hey, what's going on here with this? Um so they're trying to like save face there. But on the other hand, like Dolphin is about to get published onto Steam Deck as like an actual like thing. So that's, uh, you know, that's emulation too. I, well, I think, go ahead. And emulation is not going from Xbox Series X and S. Like this is just under standard, you know, your standard ability to mess with your Xbox. Like if you have the developer mode for it and it's like a $20 fee you can yeah. still do emulation on your Xbox they're just making it a little harder on there apparently yeah and I mean if you really want emulators I mean you could do it on anything like I mean do you need a Series X to do it like you can't use just like the last console or any other console like I imagine it's probably easier on the older consoles that are all figured out than to have to fight xbox constantly so that you can play what like playstation one games like maybe if you're trying to do something and push really hard on like some like i i don't know if you can even emulate like ps3 on an xbox like if that's what they're talking about like sure i guess yeah but i mean like you could get a raspberry pi throw in a micro sd card of a crap ton of gigabytes on it and emulate on there you know like it's not it's not difficult to do and there's so many like you could buy chinese knockoff devices with ten thousand games on them on like amazon mm -hmm. so like the, it if it's retro games we're talking about okay whatever but if we're talking like Wii, nintendo 64 gamecube that type of stuff where you're starting to really get up in there then yeah I, I can see where there would be a benefit to doing it on an xbox but again you could do that on a good pc too so yeah, yeah i think it's more so the, the aspect of being able to sit on your couch and play it with a wireless controller but again, I could technically do that with a PlayStation 2. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Or a Wii. My Wii's or, homebrewed. Or a Wii. Actually, yeah. Wii's that are homebrewed are probably much better <laughs> for all of us. They play DVDs. DVD when they're hacked? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So not much on that. But uh, if you're in that type of thing, developer mode is what's for you on the Xbox Series XS. So really just kind of a you know PSA for people out there. All right, our uh, last bit here is our inflation deflation segment for Rain on Your Parade. This was developed by Unbound Creations, published by Premium Edition Games. The studio lead is uh, Jacob uh, Kubazar or uh, Kostalski. So Jacob Kostalski. You know, I had that, like I read it multiple times beforehand and mm -hmm. it just didn't click right, right then. Uh, April 2021 is when it was released. It is a puzzle action type game for reception of seven out of 10 on average. Uh, the plot is you play as a cute cardboard cloud and ruin everyone's day. So as uh, Barry Carenza of Premium Edition Games described it to us, it's like Katamari with an asshole cloud. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you travel the world unlocking new methods of mischief in over 50 levels, each with unique settings and objectives. Customize your cloud of accessories, draw your own face, and this is really the ultimate, uh, what the hell's that word? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude simulator. I had never, ever seen that word in my life. Um, so I'll, I'll kick it off here. I really enjoyed this game. Um, yeah. I, I know their series when they launched this, they had a couple different games, uh, but this was the one that like really, really stood out to me as like, that's interesting and unique because premium usually releases, you know, modern retro done right. And this one technically wouldn't constitute as like retro per se. Um, but if you kind of think about like Katamari and how old that is, it, it probably would, you know, go in as like retro in that respect. Mm -hmm. And so really just you know like plot says you travel around as a cloud and you rain on people's parade you're raining all over them there's elements where you can like pick up different things so there's a particular level which was a lot of fun where you have to burn the place down and i think it's called burn it all down is the objective and you soak up oil and you take oil to a fire and you literally just rain oil on everything and blow the entire level up uh and then there's other levels like we played one where you had to gather as many points as possible at a uh, at a club or like a rock concert and you just rain on everything within a certain really until your rain meter falls and just like get a ton of points exploring the overworld was a ton of fun as well uh all the little like hidden elements like at one point ryan's like hey rain on that flower and see what happens and it like blooms and we unlocked you know a thing for our cloud uh so that was pretty cool i did like the music in it the music was uh it felt Mm -hmm. right it felt good for like what we were playing it like had that cutesy little vibe in the background it's like you know da -da 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 -da, whatever and you're just kind of raining on everything and destroying things um i do like the objectives in the game where you're not just going into a level like a katamari where you're like soaking everything up or rolling everything over i mean and katamari does have objectives but they're a little more obscure this is more laid out for you so like you can screw around and do your thing but you don't have some crazy time limit and you're just like, you know, you're messing around and you're exploring with this cloud. And there's a lot of fun like, interactions to find with different things. And like you can. Um, I mean, it, it's not just crazy, straightforward, easy either. Like, I mean, it's a, a simple puzzle game, but I mean, there were definitely levels where I had to kept like restarting because I kept screwing up like some aspect of it. And it wasn't because it was like obtuse or anything it was just you know a little bit challenging at times so yeah. there were aspects of it that are still like oh you know well i couldn't figure out the extra objective on this level so i i did everything else i'll come back later or yeah. like there was a level where i did something and it just was like oh here's an extra extra objective that wasn't even on like the checklist good good job way to find that so those little bonuses and and hidden things are fun the overworld itself like we were talking earlier is huge and interactive and cute and i love the texture of the water that was um, actually really cool yeah it's, it's, it's kind of like a matte finish or glossy yeah finish. the uh just the aesthetic of this game is so like tactile and like looks so hand built uh it's it's adorable and i really did enjoy that part of it yeah, I know when you and I were discussing, like, all right, we have a choice between two games that we want to, like, grab, right, and and play through and unbox and all of that. At first, you're kind of like, oh, man, I kind of wanted to play this other one. But I, forget, I think it was the... Um, Wonderling. Yeah, Wonderling DX. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, Rain on Your Parade just looks like an absolute blast. 
And yeah. I, I think we, we had a good time with that. Um, so there are two versions premium edition games has, uh, one of them is the standard edition, which is 49 95 new. And then you have the retro edition, which is 69 95. You know, I think uh, obviously retro edition sold out. You're not going to get it unless they have like, no, it's listed on their website. Actually, it was sold out the other day when I checked. Yeah. It's it. It's not one of the ones that says unavailable. They've got, Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so they got the regular edition for forty nine ninety five and the retro edition for sixty nine ninety five. Gotcha. So with the retro edition, you have we have an unboxing that we'll we'll be posting on YouTube and our social media platforms. But you have a coaster that comes with it. You've got a nice, uh, really cool pin that comes with it as well. Uh, of course, you get your challenge card, your manual, all that. You do get some stickers, like some really actually some pretty cool stickers that come with the. Uh, the retro edition, a nice box, like outer box that comes with it. And then everything that would be in the standard version as well. Um, you know, for $69.95, I don't think that's too bad to get like, and that coaster is actually pretty cool looking mm-hmm. uh, when it's all said and done. Um, so I think, you know, those extra little goodies are nice and you're supporting a, you know, a smaller publisher um, of these and- games and, and they're putting out great stuff and it's going, they're trying to put as much money into the pockets of you know, in this case, Unbound Creations, right? So like your money is going towards, you know, smaller indie developers who otherwise, you know, in the case of their digital console version and PC versions on Steam, you're looking at $14.99. They're probably making more money going with premium edition games than than that, right? On a unit sold. So I like the aspect of, you know, supporting those small indie developers and something like that retro edition is, is great in my opinion. And then of course the standard edition is solid too. Premium does a great job with its outer boxes and yeah. I um, can't say enough them. about the quality of them. Yeah. Yeah. It really should be a quality edition games. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I really do enjoy the product that they put out and the really the thought that they put into these releases. It's not just another release. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not let's throw it in a bubble mailer and send it off. Right. It's it's well packaged. Every game I've ever purchased from them is well packaged. Um, it's good quality materials. You don't run into broken pieces, at least in my experience. Whereas with some of these other places I have, I've literally purchased things that have been torn, that have been crushed, that have had plastic bits loose inside from these other like publishers that are out there. I don't get that with them. And mm-hmm. I think this was, you know, just proof again that they really do take care of their product when it's shipped out. Yeah. So, so go this on. is a new game for physical. It just came out like a couple months ago. So there's not really a lot of history on tracking. So, I mean, you could find it, you know, online probably being resold by somebody. But at this point, you're probably better off just getting it from premium because it's so new. Um if you are looking just for a digital, you can't pick that up uh, on consoles or PC for about 15 bucks. Um, I mean, overall, I'd say this is definitely like at least a worth it. Yeah, I think it's worth it. And, um, you know, I think it depends on which way you're looking at it. Right. So premium edition is not it's it's usually like an open pre-order. Right. And then they have some extra stock that comes from that. Uh, and that's usually why it's available, uh, right now, but you know, you're not going to find it new otherwise, 
unless it gets yeah. re-released somewhere else. Like this is the only way to get a physical copy. So if you're a switch, this will be the run. Yeah. If you're a switch collector and you were looking to have a complete set or you want the most out of that game, obviously the physical version is the way to go and purchasing that online. I've seen their games go on like Amazon and stuff. And it's usually much higher than what it's originally released for. So now's the time to grab it at $49.95 if that's what you want to do. Uh, otherwise, it is definitely worth it at $14.99 on a digital console or PC. Um, I I would buy this at $15 yeah. bucks for sure. And, you know, if I'm looking to collect, you know, physical versions of Switch games, then for sure. $49.95, you know, to get this game, I think is great. And it's got a lot of content. So it's not like you're you're paying 50 bucks for like five hours of content like you're paying 50 bucks for like 50 levels that you can replay as well and explore mm-hmm. various areas so it's not like a small game either so our rating is going to be just right on this one sounds like if you had to so ryan if you had to rate on a scale of one to ten though where, where do you put it like i'm sitting at like an eight personally um yeah i mean we don't usually do that but sure might as well right all fun in there okay cool well, next week, we're going to be playing a little bit of Tenchu Z on the Xbox 360. I don't think we've done an Xbox 360 game before on the podcast. Have we not? I don't think so. You'd have to scroll a lot to find one. So I'm not going to say look it up right now. But yeah, I don't think we've done one before. If we have, it's only been like one time. It's not really a console that we've dug into. I think we've only done like Xbox on the Xbox 360, if I recall. So. Yeah, I don't yep. see anything. Yep. All right. Well, this has been episode 230 of the Game of Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.